As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. With Capella University's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. Idealist of the day, this guy, Yunus Harej, who's got, he, by the way, he's making some really good lists on Notepad. He's been doing his idealist every day on N-O-T-E-P-D, no A, notepad.com. And his latest one is seven Japanese concepts that can help with self-mastery. And some of these I knew about and, and have really fallen in love with in my own life. And some of these I'm hearing for the first time, joined by Jay and Paulo. Paula, you ever heard of Ikigai before? You know, I've heard of it before, but I don't know what it is. So I'll just list them like right now or some of them. Ikigai, Kaizen. I think a lot of people have heard of Kaizen. Wabi Sabi. A yeah. lot of, some people have heard of There's a book about it. Some people haven't heard of. But Ikigai is one of my, oh, well, actually all of these are my favorite. Let's talk about Kaizen first. Kaizen means, oh, this is what Eunice is saying. Kaizen means continuous and incremental improvement for the better. Continuous and incremental improvement is vital to get good habits and achieve excellence. And it reminds me of this concept that if you improve 1% per day at anything, you improve 3,800% per year because of the power of compounding. You don't just improve 365%. You're 38 times better than you were at the beginning of the year. If you just improve 1% a day, that's Kaizen. Didn't you came up with the concept 1% uh, better? No, they? I stole it. I don't come up with any concepts when I stole it. <laughs> I, I actually... You stole it from the Japanese. Yeah, maybe yeah, I stole it from the Japanese. But a yeah. lot of people talk about this. Like uh, James Clear talks about this in his book, uh, Atomic right. Habits. And I know I stole a graphic from him once because I think he was a little upset about it. But, uh, uh, but it's a very simple concept. And, and again, you can't say like, oh, I'm going to improve every day at... I don't know my knowledge of science because you can't qual quantitatively measure that. But look, if you put in work every day, uh, at something like if you study language every day, you'll be 38 times better at Spanish than you were at the beginning of the year. If you try to improve 1% a day at your Spanish speaking, you know, you know, right. like Paulo, you've, you've studied languages. Uh, do you think that's true? Like, do you think if, if you improve, your ability to speak a language 1% a day at the end of a year, you might be fluent or close to fluent. I feel like, like with everything, the more advanced it become, the harder it is to improve, right? Yeah. So the learning curve is steep, but then it plateaus. I, I, I was actually thinking about it right now, right? Is actually 1% even achievable because it sounds so little, you know, oh yeah, of course I'll be able to improve 1%. But you know, when you become pretty good at something, be, improving 1% is actually hard. I wonder if uh, it's, uh, you know, the distribution is more like, you know, 1% for the first uh, 100 days and then it's going to become 0.5% and then 0.1%. Right. Because, and that's how it, that's normal, right? That's yeah. um, 
how improvement uh, uh, comes about. So I wonder if uh, this, uh, oh, you know, improving uh, uh, 3,000% or whatever in the course of a year, it's actually an overestimation. I wonder if there's actually any field where people have actually done it. Yeah, because, well, it's an interesting thing because let's say we're, we're talking about a sport, which is somewhat measurable, like how you do at a sport. Is the, at first, it's very easy to improve because you're competing against, if you're comparing yourself relative to other people, in the beginning, you're just competing against people who are not that good at the field. But as you get better and better, you're competing against people who put in serious time and effort. And it's a little bit harder to compare to improve relative to them because they're also trying to improve. And, you know, it's very, very difficult. But, you know, first off, Kaizen doesn't say 1% a day. It just, it just means you feel better about life as you achieve excellence and as you have good habits. And part of doing that is not skipping a day. So it's continuous and incremental improvement. So for instance, writing down 10 ideas a day, it doesn't matter. Maybe don't write 10 ideas a day, but if you could even do two ideas a day or three ideas a day, if you're trying to exercise every day, maybe you don't do a hundred pushups a day, but if you get in five pushups just to keep the continuous improvement going, I think that's what Kaizen refers to. And it, it feels good. You, you feel like you're building habits. Yeah, I think that's definitely true because at times even kind of having goals that are too big is is a big problem. Like, for example, I've seen with many things, I think that uh, the most important thing every day is to just do one step in the right direction, right? As long as you do one right. in the right direction, it's better than standing still or going backwards. Yeah, and 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 um, it reminds me of one time, this was 1991. Okay, I was just thrown out of graduate school. I was unemployed. I had nothing to do, nowhere to go. And uh, I was a little depressed. And someone, a friend of mine called me up and said, listen, just do one positive thing a day to move yourself forward and you'll feel better. You'll be more likely to get your next job and, and so on. And that person was right. I, uh, you know, I don't know if that was actually Kaizen, but that continuous thing. By the way, the, the, you know, the notion of the learning curve and like how it gets steep in the beginning, but then it sort of plateaus and it, it is the same as uh, the math for the, the curve for a pandemic. So in a pandemic, like when COVID started, everybody thought, oh my gosh, this is going to grow exponentially every single day until it covers the entire world and everybody dies from COVID or whatever. But they, the math for a pandemic which no, which none of the newspapers either talked about or seemed to know was more like a learning curve, which is like an S. So at first you don't know anything, then it, so it's flat, then it goes straight up like that. The learning curve is steep and then it plateaus like we were saying, Paulo. Uh, but it's the same thing with a pandemic because at first nobody has it. Then people start getting it exponentially and they spread it to the other people who don't have it, but then herd immunity develops or natural or some kind of natural immunity or vaccines or whatever. And it plateaus again. So that's the actual math of, uh, the math of a pandemic curve is the same as the math for a learning curve. It's probably the same for, uh, for the math. If you model this Kaizen. Hmm. So is there a Japanese word for that as well? For the curve? No. <laughs> well, well, you know, maybe, maybe they teach, there should be like a, a there should be like math for all of these philosophical concepts. But, uh, but if you think about it, like, like take pushups as an example, if you start off doing one pushup, it's easy to improve 1% a day. But like, like Jay, how many pushups do you do every day? 
Just just uh, lie and 30. say something. Thirty? Okay. Fifty. <laughs> like Paul, do you do do you exercise every day? Yep. What do you do? Uh, just weights. Oh, okay. Do you do push-ups or anything? Uh, yeah. Do you try to improve every day? Uh, not every day uh, for push-ups. I wouldn't do push-ups every day. It would be part of a kind of uh, um, routine that changes every day. Well, it, it has a um, a schedule that goes uh, in a weekly fashion. Are, are you fully jacked? Are you like... Uh, like in the you summer know, when you go to the beach, it. do people turn their heads and like, holy shit, is that the Rubik's Cube guy? Yeah, everyone. Yeah, that's exactly the case. I can do the Rubik's Cube on his body. Right, yes, his, that's, uh, that's a goal. Pecs. So, yeah. I, I, I try to do the 1% a day improvement. I'm like, I start off every morning with 25 push-ups. Sometimes I'll get up to 30 and then I'll like rewind like, oh, I don't feel like doing 30 today and I'll go back to 25. So I, it seems hard to improve 1% a day at exercise. But I like the habit though. For me, like, I feel like exercise for me, it's, uh, I don't know if I want to improve 1% a day. I feel like I want to slowly build up my muscles. So I just do the same rep over and over until that, until I'm not like out of breath every time I do it. For muscle building, there are three things that matter. One is the amount of calories that you eat. Second is the amount of protein. And then mm. the third is something called progressive overload, which means that, uh, Whenever you work out, you should stress your muscles a little bit more, right? So ah. if you keep doing every day the same weight and the same number of reps, it's not very useful. It's not going to cause your uh, your muscles to grow. You're going to have to actually, that's exactly where the 1% rule would work because you always need to try to do a little bit more. If you keep it steady, it's not going to cause uh, like optimal muscle growth. So, so I, have a, I have two questions about that. One is if you do the same every day, do you at least maintain or no? Yeah, I think you'd maintain. And yeah. the second question That's is, what other domains does that apply to as well? Like, for instance, if you're learning a language and you do the same amount of learning every day, are you ultimately not going to get much better at the language? Uh, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I would say yes, though, because it's, uh, that's the idea of the kind of deliberate practice, right? You should always do something that takes you a little bit out of your comfort zone. Otherwise, you... you uh, you know, you plateau and coast. I think that's true. I like, think I think that's, that's really true for like, for, for many activities, like for instance, writing, um, I feel like you always have to experiment and, and, and get out of your comfort zone a little bit in order to improve. And that's a scary thing to do because people, people judge you either constructively or destructively. You can't control people's feedback, uh, from when you're out there with podcasting or writing or whatever. Okay. So that's Kaizen. Uh, and I, I do think you know, doing something uh, continuously and trying to be incremental about improvement is a great idea. Here's another one, wabi-sabi, which when I first heard that term, I thought it was like wasabi and it was, I saw it on a book title. I thought it was like a cookbook, but... I mean, so you it's know, not? I'm Asian. I, I still, I, I thought it's wasabi as well. I'm like, did, did that guy spell wrongly? Is it, is it something that put in a sushi? And apparently it's not. Uh, yeah, apparently, apparently it's not. <laughs> uh, it's embrace imperfections and impermanence in life. Yeah. So the idea is in part to see the beauty in everything because everything has some imperfection. So like, for instance, a vase might be beautiful, but if there's a crack in the vase, if you're practicing wabi-sabi, you find it even more beautiful that here's this beautiful phase with this, you know, 
very realistic, lifelike imperfection because all life has imperfections to it. Right. It, it, this is almost like the, the, the appreciations technique. Like you appreciate everything in life even though it's, it's not perfect. Right. So, and it's very similar to um, having a practice of compassion for people because you know everybody's imperfect, but you can still have compassion for them anyway. And again, it's a, it's a beautiful thing when you're looking at you know, things in life you get to, you start to notice more things. You don't notice just the beautiful things. You notice the things that make it not beautiful. And, and for that, it makes it even more beautiful for you. Right. Yeah, this makes yeah. sense. It also makes, uh, reminds me of the uh, sentence, uh, um, perfect is the enemy of good. Yeah. Oh, so a lot right. of the times it's better to, you know, get something done and uh, make sure it's done uh, uh, until uh, instead of waiting for it to be perfect. And uh, it seems... Uh, it's, it's got some relation to this as well. And I guess people like study these things. So like people, you know, I guess maybe artists or whatever, you know, you, you study Wabi Sabi to get better at being an artist. I don't know. Uh, apparently, really? yeah, apparently this has been around for hundreds of years, centuries that, that, so, so the word Wabi, I don't understand when you translate this directly, I looked this up, the word Wabi, uh, refers to the loneliness of living in nature and the word sabi meant uh lean or withered so why do you think oh i guess like w nature is viewed as like perfect but i wonder but it's interesting it, it refers to the loneliness of living in nature and sabi means withered i wonder how this translates to finding you know imperfect objects fascinating and beautiful i wonder if it's men like even though we are living in a world with nature and loneliness, you know, we we have to embrace it and appreciate what you have right now. Because mm. because back then there's no technology. Back then people live not that close together. I mean, we still like a like a group or or, or a tribe, but still that you know, sometimes we go outside all by ourselves at night. I can sort of imagine like the Japanese scene, you know, step under the moonlight and there's bamboo trees all around and then wind blowing. It is sort of like, you know, sad and, and, and loneliness, but at the same time, it's pretty beautiful because there's moon, there's, there's, there's uh, stars and you, you're still alive. Yeah. And I, and I guess, you know, it's funny, like, I feel like America is a very perfectionist kind of society. Not that we're all trying to be perfect, but that we want the things around us to be perfect. So I don't want to just, I don't want to just have an iPhone. I need an iPhone where I can read every book that I want. I could listen to every song that I want. I could play every game that I want. I could get the directions to every place that I want. I don't ever want to be out of service. <laughs> like it should never be the case that my that my service can't be heard, so I can't call people or whatever. Like every object we have in America, we we want to be perfect, and that's what makes America so interesting. I think this sort of perfectionist frontier aspect that we could always make something a little bit better, a little bit more perfect, but it also makes, I think there's no way for Americans to back off and, and we're always unhappy unless we're moving towards the next state of perfection. Whereas it right. seems like with this philosophy, you could say, oh, I'm feeling lonely in nature, but you could appreciate the beauty around you as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think this should be the logo of every thrift store. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, embracing perfection. Yeah, you know why yeah, buy new clothes? Is, 
Yeah, this there's there's a there's a hole in this clothes. Buy it, you know. Just show off show off your abs, you know. The the hole. You know, I know for me when I uh, uh, started more to appreciate my imperfections, of which there were many, my writing became a lot better and got a lot more notice. So when I finally just admitted all of my failings and all the times that I've you know had disasters happen to me, that's what people ultimately. Like people would even say on, like I'd post my articles on Twitter and, and this is back in like 2009 or 2010, people would say, right. oh my God, too much information. But then they would privately write me and say, oh yeah, that happened to me as well. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> so Wait, so what are the one thing that you hated yourself the most, but you change it or you embrace it and then it became ultimately better for you? I don't know if anything became ultimately better for me. I, I think, you know, this is related to Carol Dweck's thing of mindset. You even have, sometimes people have a fixed mindset right. where they think I'm either smart or stupid and I'm born that way. And some people have a growth mindset, meaning, God, I, I didn't do this so well, but I could try harder and work harder and I'll get better at this. That's like a growth mindset. And everybody likes to right. think that they have a growth mindset, but I actually think I have a fixed mindset. Like when I was a kid, everyone told me I was like a genius and I was smart and I'd, you know, blah, 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 be a big success. And then when I started failing, I couldn't handle it. I got like depressed. And then when I started writing about the times I've gone broke, that really helped me to analyze, Hey, this could happen to me. By the way, it could happen to me many times and I'm going to, I have to work hard to figure it out. So it doesn't happen to me again. Like I'm sort of addicted to these kinds of failings. So I, I think a, a you know, translating this to Wabi Sabi, I think looking at things in this way, it allows you to forgive yourself more of your own imperfections. When you realize everything has imperfection, right. it gets rid of that fixed mindset. Yes, it's totally true. Airbnb has changed my life. If anything, they have made my life so much better. Like I used to live in Airbnbs. I, I lived in over a hundred or 200 different Airbnbs over a three-year period. And I loved it. I love, I became a really good guest of Airbnbs and I got to know lots of hosts. So when I initially owned a house, I, of course, the first thing I thought was I'm going to turn my house into an Airbnb because I travel a lot. So why leave my house unused when I can make a side income by letting others Airbnb my house or come to stay in my house as guests and having my own Airbnb or, or being a host for Airbnb has allowed me to do just that. And I've met other hosts. I've actually spoken at Airbnb's host conference. I think it was in 2017. I met so many just nice hosts. It's a great community and I love you know, turning my own home into an Airbnb. Like I'm traveling to Austin next month. My home's going to be an Airbnb while I'm away and I'll stay in an Airbnb. I'd rather stay in like a three-story house Airbnb than in one tiny hotel room in, in the middle of Austin during South by Southwest. So listen, while you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Many people host on Airbnb, but there are people who are just letting their house sit empty, who've never thought about it or didn't realize their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, then you have an Airbnb. 
your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Daylight savings time is starting up again. Okay, podcast is over. That's all you needed to know. But why do we have uh, daylight savings time? Answer, to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting your clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day that initial, when we initially start daylight savings. But if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There's only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com James. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100-plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. This is such a brilliant idea for a business, and ZipRecruiter did it. So ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. I've used ZipRecruiter particularly as a potential employee, and I still to this day get messages every day. James Aldercher, would you like to apply to be VP of entertainment at NBC or whatever. So there's just nonstop emails. Like I got five or six emails today because of, because a year ago I signed up for ZipRecruiter. So spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Uh, you know what I really like on the list of the next item is Shinkitai. I never even heard of that one. Shinkitai is actually actually a thing. And like it's, Every culture has it. Every culture has it. But it, I just like the way it sounds in Japanese. Shinkikai is me translate as mind, technique, and body. So they are the three elements for maximum performance in martial art. So what happened? So what does that really mean? Is if you have a healthy body and healthy mind, it's way. It, it, it's like the best way for you to hone in your skill or refine your skill when you have a healthy body. Well, well it's interesting because in, in like the chess world, which you think of as purely a mental thing, uh, and it used yep. to be the case that if you like 40, 50 years ago, if you went to a chess tournament, everybody would be, you know, kind of this really, you know, unhealthy looking, you know, people, people <laughs> would bring their bag, like five bags of McDonald's to the chess tournament and they'd like be eating at the table and just everybody smelled badly. <laughs> and... Do they all wear glasses and have acne? Kind of, yeah. And then look, that's why that's why I was there as an eighteen year old. And uh, uh, but but now, I mean, you look at like Magnus Carlsen, who's the world champion. That guy works out every day, like he's in top shape. And all the best chess players, you could tell they're in like top shape. Uh, even at a right. tournament, you can see the top players are in are in good shape. And and of course, technique gets more and more refined. And and uh, so you you can't just be smart and play chess. You have to know chess technique. By the way, it's the same as tennis. You can't just be like an athlete. You have to know tennis technique. You have to you have to know the latest skill, coaching techniques, and so on. And of course, you need a healthy mind uh, to be able to handle loss and failure and frustration. And you need to have a healthy body. So so and that that works for sales too. Uh, let let's say you're in a, a business salesperson. People want somebody who 
is healthy look people want to deal with someone who's healthy looking they and and who's smart to be able to adjust to shifting problems and stuff but also you need to know basic sales techniques in order to be successful as a salesperson yeah. so i i like that one yeah. as as well and uh it, it reminds me of all of this stuff reminds me of like the japanese tea ceremony because i feel like it's wait what japanese tea ceremony? yeah have you ever seen have you ever seen a japanese tea ceremony i've seen it in movies and and cartoon and anime but i don't think i've seen it in real yeah life. there's places in new york see you live in new york city but i i always say nobody really makes use of all the things in new york city there's plenty of places in new york city where you can have an authentic japanese tea ceremony and it's not just somebody serving tea there's all this there's a whole philosophy around it where it has to be there has to be harmony between the guests and nature there has to be kind of uh it's almost like uh it's a like a very meditative thing to be part of a japanese it's like a very spiritual thing to be a part of a japanese tea ceremony everything has to be done just right and uh, kind of fit yeah now i'm very curious i want to see if i can find a place where they have it in london i'm sure there is i'm pretty sure I, yeah. i've only had yeah, uh, pretty, the I'm afternoon sure. tea which is uh, pretty... i suppose it doesn't sound no but that, as, uh, but Brit the problem you, know, you have is about... your, your google is competing with the british afternoon tea <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yes. Which is a completely different thing. British tea, yeah, it is. You have, it is. You have little is string with the pinky. Yeah, up. and you have little sandwiches and little cakes yep. with your yep. afternoon no, scones. No, 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 James, what are you talking about? Sandwiches is scone. Uh, is it? It's scones. Yeah, are they called scones? It's scones, but it's not the kind of American scone that you yeah. get at KFC. It's, uh, it's a more of a sweet thing that you have with jam yeah. and uh, I think clotted cream. It's, yeah, uh, so that's what it goes British. with. So, so it, with a, the Japanese tea ceremony, I'm, I'm reading this, you have to have the awareness that each tea gathering is a once-in-a-lifetime event never to occur again. And so sharing of a bowl of tea should be conducted with humility and utmost sincerity and, and tranquility. Well, well, also, like, Japanese culture is all about respect. You know, respect other people and self... and mindfulness too so like that only makes sense if you know if the yeah all these things are very mindful and very kind of there's a very con strong connection with nature and why do you think that doesn't occur right. in like for instance i feel completely disconnected from nature all the time <laughs> and like <laughs> and i would think in america you would be more connected to nature because when when americans first when europeans first got to america i shouldn't say americans when europeans first got to america it was just all nature there was no there was nothing else with nature so why do you think there's not more respect for nature here i feel like americans have a lot of like hey we have to get the best next best technology mindset they want to live comfortably without the nature and also by definition progress is going away from nature right further yeah. away because uh, you know if we were in nature we'd be living in a cave right uh, yeah so, that's a good point but, actually essentially the more you outsource the further you are from nature so for instance yes. if i outsource cooking okay it means i'm ordering delivery through uber eats or i'm going to a restaurant that's completely different than what i would have done if i lived in nature where i have to like you know, cook something, even like in the oven. Okay. is a way of outsourcing digestion. So instead of eating something raw, you put it in an oven and it, 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 it makes the food easier to digest because it heats it up and it softens it and so on. And, uh, 
Uh, it's a, we, we've all gotten used to outsourcing our digestion to microwaves and ovens. Yeah. Just, uh, I always pause when I think I've made a really stunning, interesting point, but it's okay if nobody else. Uh, I mean, so. it <laughs> is very interesting. Yeah, I, I was like, speechless you know, myself. Right? I know. Yeah. Like who used microwave, dude? <laughs> I d we use we use wok. I use wok. Have you looked at my skin color? I use wok all the I, time. I, well, I never use a wok because I never cook. <laughs> I oh, I order. Well, when my kids are around, they cook, and otherwise, right. I usually order from Uber Eats. And I have not cooked in about twenty years. <laughs> the best invention I think is the is 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 the thing that like the East Miss West type of thing. It's the pan walk. Have you tried pan no. walk? What's a pan walk? So pan walk is a walk, but with a flat surface at the bottom. Ah, I thought, oh, a walk has like so, a curved surface, right? Yeah, yeah. Pan walk is a flat surface, but have the walk shape. It's the best thing ever. You can cook everything. You can wow. cook from fried, Chinese fried rice, pancakes, to pizza. If Jay, you want I to. feel like your Asian accent just got a little more enhanced while you were saying that. <laughs> Like you got really into that in a, in a very Asian accent way. <laughs> I'm embracing my culture. Yeah. I'm doing wabi sabi. <laughs> so anyway, so this is uh, seven seven co Japanese concepts. Oh, we didn't say all of them, but that's okay. Seven Japanese concepts yep. that can help with self mastery. Uh, the one we didn't mention really that much uh, was ikigai that I, I always like. But read the read this for the rest. It's on notepad n o t e p d dot com. And by the way, I'm Paulo. If I branch off this and make my own list that of Japanese concepts, does that uh, count as my list of the day for for to yep. add to my streak? Yep. I don't want to break my streak because then yes, I'll be sad. So uh, yeah, okay. Like, let me see. Oh, I click on branch, and all right, I got it. I figured it out. All right. Well, thanks everybody. Thanks Jay and Paulo, and thanks everyone who listened. For me, I know. These concepts I think about a lot and have been extremely helpful to me. And it, they really do not only improve your life, but give you a sense of peace. And for me, I always need things that help me forgive my many, many failures in life.